Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The media at large is a big believer in Joe Milton and what he can achieve this season as Tennessee football's starting quarterback. Welcome in to the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside the Knoxville News Sentinels, Adam Sparks and John Adams. And guys, last week at SEC Media Days, we knew Josh Heupel would be asked some questions about the end of the NCAA investigation and how Tennessee avoided a bull ban in that. And of course he was. Josh Heupel, happy with the result etc. Ready to move on. No surprise there. Josh Heupel also declared Tennessee as the the real UT, the real orange, whatever you want to call it, in the conversation between Tennessee and Texas. All that aside, you know, those, those pithy one-liners aside, really kind of the, the news for Tennessee at a media days, I thought, in so much as there was any news, was that Joe Milton was the preseason third-team All-SEC quarterback. He shared that spot with Will Rogers of Mississippi State. Jaden Daniels of LSU was the first-team selection, followed by K.J. Jefferson of Arkansas. What did you guys think about this? Were you surprised to see Joe Milton claim a spot there, preseason third-team All-SEC, or is that Orange Bowl enough and still living in the minds of the voters at large? Well, I mean, I I think part of this is – seeing him in person. Now, there were a number of the top quarterbacks that came to SEC media days, but I think sometimes when you're voting on these things, the in-person interaction can impact the vote a little bit. I wouldn't have been surprised if Joe Milton was second and like he was third team. I wouldn't have been surprised if he had dropped off to like the fifth or sixth quarterback. I think you can put him anywhere in that range. Um, But I, I would, in terms of like voters seeing him in person, and this was voted on by by people actually present at SEC Media Days. This is sort of what I call the Steve McNair effect. Um, I used to cover Titans games, and I knew of McNair, and you see him on TV. You can even see him maybe from the sideline, and you have some some idea of what he's what you're looking at. But then when you see him five feet away from you, and he looks like a transformer, hmm. you know, he's just enormous and strong, and you, you're trying to think, I already know how fast that guy is, yet look how big he is. And I think Joe Milton in person to reporters has a little bit of a wow factor because he's he's an enormous human being. You've already seen that he's pretty athletic. He can run. And then you've seen all the TikTok videos and all that, that he can throw the ball like 85 yards. And so I think you put all that information into your mind. And he's pretty charismatic at SEC Media Days. I think you can, you know. You bump him up maybe a couple spots, then, or maybe he, that's a tiebreaker with him and other quarterbacks. But he's got a lot going for him. Um, I think there's probably uh, less skepticism about him outside of Tennessee than there is within Tennessee. There are a lot of fans that have already bought into Joe Milton, what they saw in the Orange Bowl and all that. But I still think there's a reasonable number of UT fans that, that, uh, are are optimistic, but they still want to see, you know, multiple games in this season of Joe Milton playing well before they feel like he can fully replace Hinton Hooker or get close to that. I like uh, Adam's uh, 
in-person impact to take. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, through all my years of doing this, I, sometimes I was almost stunned by seeing some of these players post-game in a locker room or at a lectern. Uh, I remember the first time I saw John Elway. I mean, the guy is enormous. I mean, he's a quarterback, so you just – and you know he's tall, but you just can't – he just looks too big for a suit. And Steve McNair was the same way, and he would always take forever to come out for post-game press conferences. McNair had to be dressed just so, always well-dressed in a suit, but he just looked too big. I mean, he just – you know, he just, it was hard to picture him in a suit. So I, I understand what Adam's saying about that. And Joe Milton is enormous. It, it's funny, though, how fans, every fan I've talked to this summer says pretty much the same thing. Think Tennessee will be really good. You know, I really like what Joe Milton did in the Orange Bowl. But I don't know if he can do it for the whole season. There, there's a... There's a twinge of uncertainty, but I think he'll be fine. I wouldn't have picked him uh, third. Well, I would have had Spencer Rattler second, K.J. Jefferson third probably, Jaden Daniels first in the quarterbacks. But there are other good quarterbacks in this league who didn't get any mention. So I I can see why people might vote him that. And the wow factor with his arm is still there. But to me, the bigger reason to be confident in Joe Milton doing well, Josh Heupel, in this Tennessee offensive system. I, I just think it's, you know, it, it's a system in which a lot of quarterbacks could flourish. Yeah, I, I suppose I, I tend to agree with you guys, and I, I think I would probably be in the camp of what you guys have described more as the Tennessee fan thinking. Like, not really saying you're not a believer in Joe Milton, but more the skeptical approach or, or the one foot in, maybe a foot and a half in, but not all the way in on two feet with Joe Milton. And, and my theory behind that is, I think if you are a member of the media at large or the national media, you probably watched Tennessee's game against Clemson in the Orange Bowl. That was a, a December 30th game. So it wasn't going up against the college football semifinals. You've got two big brands, New Year's Six Bowl, primetime game. I think a lot of people watched that game. And Joe Milton, you know, looked really good. He earned MVP honors, you know, and, and there was sort of this narrative, I think, taking shape of like, well, here's the next wave for Tennessee. And so I, I think it makes sense why sort of national media are coalescing behind Joe Milton. I think if you're a Tennessee fan or if you're someone like in our chairs that have watched, um, you know, a lot of Tennessee football the past few years, whether it be against Clemson or whether it be against Akron or a ball state or whoever, you've seen what cost Joe Milton his job two years ago. And although we can tell ourselves this is a new quarterback now, this is someone who's who's gotten rid of the yips, ironed out his me- mechanics, he's got the poise now, he's got the touch to match the fastball. You can tell yourself all those things, and yet I still think it's a little bit hard to get out of your mind You know what you saw from Joe Milton when he was the starter in 2021, and he surrendered the job that season after – you know, he was pretty average against Bowling Green in the season opener, wasn't very good against Pittsburgh the following week, and, and that was all she wrote for him as a starter. 
he's lost starting jobs at two different Power Five schools. So I understand, you know, I think the local skepticism, and I'm probably in that camp. I think Joe Milton can be really good. I, I'm just a foot and a half in, and I need to see it a little bit more to be all two feet in. But I also understand with the big arm and the way he played against Clemson, why the media at large would would kind of be enamored with him as you know for the spot as preseason third team All SEC quarterback. Yeah, I think until we know um, pretty confidently what Joe Milton is going to be this year, I think us and uh, fans and all that are going to see glimpses of Joe Milton and say, I've seen that before, both for good and bad. Uh, if he's overthrowing deep balls, we're going to say, I, I've seen that before. His, this is old Joe Milton uh, overthrowing guys. This is what he did at Bowling Green. This is what he did early in the Vanderbilt game. If he's throwing darts to intermediate routes and small windows, we'll say, ah, I've seen that before. That looks like Clemson. <laughs> if he's making poor decisions, uh, you know, running out of bounds on third down or not throwing the ball when he needs to, we'll say, oh, that's old Joe Milton, like at, like at the end of the Ole Miss game, um, not knowing the, the, the down and distance in the clock. So the, there, we have enough of Joe Milton, really good and pretty bad, to say we, we've seen it all. And so whatever we see, maybe in the first three or four of these games, probably certainly up through the Florida game because it's SEC opener, we'll, we'll, you know, through there I think we'll be able to say uh, we, we've seen it before because he's played for so long, so there's not much of a mystery. I'll be curious to see sort of on the scale of Spencer Rattler last year to Hendon Hooker last year where Joe Milton falls in those. Because Hendon Hooker was consistent every single week. His bad games were like, I mean, Georgia was a bad game. Look at his numbers. He's pretty good in his bad game. So he was very, very consistent. He was very productive. If you look at Spencer Rattler last year, he was inconsistent. There'd be a few games where you think, this guy just doesn't look that good. I don't understand why he's wasting this talent. And then other games against Tennessee, against Clemson, you would say, well, this is a Heisman candidate. And so are we going to see Joe Milton be more like that, like Spencer Rattler last year, or are we going to see him be more like Hendon Hooker where week in, week out, you know he's going to produce? I suspect he's going to be somewhere between those two, but whichever one he's closest to um, will tell us whether or not he's an all-SEC player. Uh, Again, I get back to coaching on this, and that is very much in Joe Milton's favor. Uh, Josh Heupel is seeing what Joe Milton can do as a former starter, as a backup, as a revived starter at the end of last season. He knows all his strengths and weaknesses. He knows how much he's improved. I think Josh Heupel and the offensive staff will have a a game plan to enhance Joe Milton's abilities. What he does well, uh, they will really stress that. And what he doesn't do as well, uh, they'll try and, uh, you know, not use that as much. So, I just think the body of knowledge from both the player and the coaching staff in regard to the player will be positive factors for Tennessee. Yeah, And I think a lot of it depends on if you're buying into this idea that he's he's on an upward trajectory. Tennessee coaches, Josh Hopple, Joey Halsley, if you ask them publicly, they believe in this. But if you really ask them privately, they believe in this upward trajectory of, of Joe Milton, that he was not so good and then some time and experience went by, 
and some understanding of the offense, and he got better and better and better. And what you saw against Vanderbilt somewhat, but especially against Clemson, was what he is now, that he is no longer what you saw before. What he is now is what you saw in those last two games when he was the starter. And for you to buy that, you have to buy into the idea that this is an upward trajectory. He's reached this plane of the Clemson game, and this is where he's going to be now, or maybe even better. If you believe that Joe Milton is sort of an up-and-down type quarterback, then Clemson was his up, and he can just as well go back down. And so I, I, we're going to see that in the first two or three games. I mean, I don't know, maybe a little bit Virginia. But again, Florida in the swamp, if he's good those first few games and he's good in the swamp, then I'll buy into the idea that that he's on the way up and he's not going to not gonna go backwards. Blake, uh, what, one of the things, one of the reasons uh, Hendon Hooker was so successful last year was his running ability. Great instincts as to when to run, good instincts when he's in the open field where to turn, where to cut, that kind of thing. How does running factor into this with Joe with Joe Milton, do you think? What do you expect of him as a runner? I'm really curious about what he can do as a runner. Yeah, I don't know that he's a – I don't know if – we'll see if Adam agrees with this. I, I don't think he's the same type of threat as a runner as Hendon Hooker was. Um, you know, I think Hendon Hooker – out in the open field or running a true read option, you know, was a little bit more dangerous than I think I see Joe Milton being. I mean, he's, he's obviously an athletic freak. We've seen the guy at the Manning camp throw it 80 yards downfield. And, and when he gets ahead of steam going, he can, he can run too. But I suppose if it was like third and one and I wanted to run QB power, I think I'd rather, I'd rather have big Joe Milton back there run QB power. Uh, if it was second and six and I wanted to run read option, I think I'd probably rather have Hinton Hooker. And so in some, I think I'd rather have Hinton Hooker, you know, as, as far as being a true dual threat quarterback, again, unless the situation is third and run, th- third, <laughs> third and one, and the play call is old Tim Tebow, quarterback power then sure as as adam was talking about you see joe milton in person and you probably come away thinking yeah this guy can probably get me a yard and a half on uh, third and one on a quarterback power yeah hinden hooker uh was sort of a, a sports car with with really good suspension um uh, joe milton is a dump truck going downhill <laughs> a dump truck dump there's truck, a comparison adam. you want as, wow. a, as a quarterback <laughs> And that, and that that's the difference. Um, the the read option will not be run to this in the same way with Joe Milton because read option is so much based on um, deceiving a, a, a defensive end or an outside linebacker crashing. You can deceive him on the fake and then take off outside. And you have to be elusive. You have to be quick laterally. Um, that's when Hinton Hooker was. Um, you know, you then in the open field you get Hinton Hooker making the spin move and and all these sort of things. That is that is not Joe Milton. Joe Milton is square his shoulders, get two or three steps to to sort of get moving, and then once he's moving, he has those long strides and that big body. He can run over people, he can run away from people, but it just it takes a minute for him to get going. He doesn't necessarily accelerate like Hendon Hooker does. He doesn't move laterally like he does. So um, I could see quarterback draws. Um, 
some keepers, those sort of things where he can square his shoulders, where he'll be more effective than just the read option. Because the read option also is you're stationary, and then you, you go from, from zero to 60, and that's not him. He, he has to sort of, again, downhill. He has to get moving. Uh, Joe does. And we saw it last year. I don't remember if the Bowling Green or the Pitt game. But he he did get a seam, squared his shoulders, was able to sprint. And he had like a 60-yard run. And he can give you that. He's just not going to give it in the same way consistently. He'll run, but it'll be in spurts. It won't be consistent. And also, I don't think defenses will look at Joe Milton and say, we can't give him the edge or he's going to beat us in the same way that Hendon Hooker uh, did. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm still hung up. I, I think some blogger is going to aggregate you, Adam. And, and next thing you know, you're going to see an out-of-context headline. Vol's beat writer refers to starting quarterback <laughs> as, quote, dump truck. Uh, so, yeah, you, you, you just position yourself for an out-of-context uh, aggregation 18 wheeler going downhill is that better is that <laughs> yeah. yeah 18 big, wheeler big, definitely massive, better. big, big yeah. massive vehicle going down a mountain it, it's a too late steam you can't, re- you steam can't retrieve that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i'm curious guys what you think of this because we all know it's preseason honors into much in this as they are honors i mean they, they got as much value as a as a shroot buck uh, you know, they're they're essentially worthless. So let's fast forward to the postseason. There are not three teams in the All-SEC Awards postseason. It's you, you're either first team or you're second team. That's it. But in my mythical scenario I'm creating here, there are three teams. So we're going to fast forward to end of year. It's postseason voting time. And there's three teams, first, second, and third team. Would you predict as we sit here today that in this scenario, Joe Milton at end of season would be on one of those three teams. Yeah, I buy that Um, for, I guess, a similar reason that John mentioned earlier, uh, coaching and this offense. Joe Milton, I think, will be the starter throughout the season. Um, And this offense is going to score a lot of points throughout the season. It it, it just is. Um, So his numbers are going to be phenomenal. At least his total numbers. Well, well, I don't I don't think he can match up to what Hendon did last year in terms of touchdown-interception ratio. He may turn it over a little more, but he, he's going to throw the ball a lot of times. He's going to have a whole lot of yards. And for that, you know, we're all, you know, we all give in when we're voting to to, to numbers, to stats. So maybe he's not, maybe he's not the first-team guy, but he'll have the numbers to be, be second or third, I feel like. I think he will, too. In fact, I think if he doesn't have the numbers to be at least the third-team quarterback, he won't be the quarterback by the end of the year. Let's not forget the Nico factor. I'm of the opinion that he that uh, Joe Milton will have a good year. Now, another factor in all this to me is the expectations for the offense. Josh Heupel, in his time here at Tennessee in two seasons, has averaged over 40 points a game. Joe Milton had a really good game against Clemson, but Tennessee didn't score 40 points. The expectations are so high for this offense uh, that there will be some, you know, if if Tennessee has back-to-back get scoring games in the 30s, I think that will raise concerns for a lot of fans. Well, and maybe it should because Tennessee may need to be scoring in the, in the 40s and not the 30s if they're going to win to the level that they did last season. I don't know that the steel curtains coming out there 
on defense this season. Uh, might be, you know, might be competent and can hold down the fort, but the key to success in a Josh Heupel program is is putting up points in a hurry and then doing it over and over and over again. So, yeah, I mean, you saw on those on those three preseason teams, you saw I think what was it, four guys from Tennessee's offense on those teams and none from defense. You had two offensive linemen. You had Brew McCoy at wideout. You had Milton. Um, there, was, there was no Aaron Beasley. There was no uh, Omari, Omari Thomas. There was just um, – it's 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 all offense. That's what they're known for. That's what the people feel like their individual talent is. Maybe that changes by the end of the year, but this is a, this is a true offensive team. Speaking of being known for offense, the other – News last week is probably more important in the grand scheme of things than preseason voting. Tennessee got a big commitment on the recruiting trail, and and I thought it, uh, it perhaps it's just coincidence, but it's interesting that it coincided, you know, right on the heels of the end of this NCAA investigation. Tennessee gets its verdict. Josh Heupel, you know, mentions that opponents had been able to negatively recruit against Tennessee. And while this under investigation was underway, and now it's all over, and Tennessee's got no postseason ban. Yeah, there's the fine and some of the other sanctions, but as an institution, Tennessee got off in pretty good shape. And oh, it's full steam ahead on the recruiting trail. Look here, Mike Matthews, five-star wide receiver out of Georgia, national top 25 prospect. That's for all positions, not just wide receiver. I mean, this is a it's a big time pickup in terms of commitments. We, we, you know, every SEC school is going to get, for the most part, their share of four star prospects. But you start to sprinkle in some of those five stars, and and you can feel, um, you know, some some momentum building. Tennessee's class now in the twenty four seven composite ranked number ten nationally. What were your guys' reactions, you know, last week amid all this media days chatter? Tennessee picks up a, a really important commitment from a five-star wide receiver in Mike Matthews. Yeah, I'm. I'm not going to go. Uh, I'm not going to even attempt to put a coaching hat on and break down Mike Matthews' uh, film or anything like that. But I, you've th- you've th- been busy uh, doing some good coverage, Adam. We we'll we'll come back to you in a couple of weeks for the film study review. Fair enough. I can I, I can give you the text messages of Jeremy Pruitt's assistants. That's all I got right now. <laughs> right now. Um, that, now, Matthews, this is what I like about Mac, Mac Matthews. Okay, so five-star wide receiver. He has not been advertised as a guy that runs like the fastest 40 time on earth. This is not a he, – he's fast. He's above average speed. But there's nobody saying that he runs a 4-2-9 or something like that. Because if he did, then it would be more about saying this is the fastest human on earth, and that's why he's being projected as a five-star player. He also is not six foot five, 220 pounds. He's not being projected as a five star wide receiver because he's just this, you know, enormous athletic human. A lot of times, at all positions, but a lot of times, wide receivers are projected in this way as five stars because recruiting analysts are saying that guy's just so big and athletic. I think he'll turn into a phenomenal wide receiver or that guy's just faster than anybody else. I feel like he'll turn into a great wide receiver. Mike Matthews is being graded as a five-star because he's a really good football player. And, and I tend to like those grades usually in skill positions because it's it's recruiting, recruiting analysts looking at, their, looking at their film, looking at their performance, and say, 
they're just really, really good at that position right now. So I project they'll continue to be at that level moving forward, and it's not based on a measurable. Um, so I, I think that fits in well with Josh Heupel's offense too, because um, you know he can use he can use different guys in different ways. He just wants guys that that can be productive, and he will get you open. Um, Jalen Hyatt was sort of in the wrong position before they moved his positions and uh, worked out great. Cedric Tillman was not really a deep threat because yeah, he's big, but he's 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 not phenomenally fast, but Josh Heupel schemed him open. So if you're a dependable, really good wide receiver, you'll produce in this offense, and that's what I like about Matthews. I thought uh, I thought Adam might compare him to maybe a hybrid uh, <laughs> dumpster truck slash sports car. <laughs> Just can't contain him in the. Oh, yeah, Toyota field. Camry meets a Ford F one fifty or something. He's a, he's like a he's like a like an escort. Is it a Ford Escort? Yeah. What just, just gets it done? Not not real big, not real fast. What what struck me about a commitment from a five star is what college football has become. It, it's a game that uh, really features wide receivers more than running backs. These are the guys that change the outcomes of games. Just look at the last few years. We saw LSU field one of the best college teams ever in 2019. And look at those receivers, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, now pretty much categorized as the best receivers, you know, in, in the top three or four in the in the NFL. Uh, then Devontae Smith of Alabama wins the Heisman Trophy. Uh, so we Marvin Harrison at Ohio State, Brock Bowers, a a hybrid tight end wide receiver at Georgia. These are the guys that are really deciding games along with the quarterback. So I thought that was, I think that's really significant that Tennessee adds a player of that caliber, even though Adam points out he's not that big and he's not really that fast, but he manages to get by. Tennessee, I mean, it's, it's always been able to land some punches on the recruiting trail. We've seen even, guys who were bad coaches on the sidelines have signed some good <laughs> classes over the years. And obviously this has proven itself to be a competent coaching staff. I mean, Tennessee's coming off of off an orange bowl victory. Right. And, and the question, one of the questions about Josh Heupel coming in was, yeah, but how will he do as a recruiter? Now he hasn't exactly lit in the trail on fire these past couple years. He did sign Nico five-star quarterback, but in terms of collective class, They've sort of been good, not exceptional by Tennessee standards. But now that the investigation is behind Tennessee, the penalties have been doled out. We see Tennessee sitting here at number 10 in the recruiting rankings in 24-7 sports composite. What do we see as the ceiling being for Tennessee recruiting with this coaching staff? If they win like they did last year, uh, they, be, they, can, they can bring in top five classes. Um, I think fans should expect top 10 classes at this point because uh, Tennessee is one of the leaders in NIL, and that's going to drive recruiting as much as anything. Um, they they do have a clear-cut template for what they want. Um, you, you can sell offense, and you don't, have to, you don't have to deceive a recruit by saying this is the best offense in the country. You come here and you play offense. That's what you'll play in. That's, you know, that's part of the reason that NIL is why they got a five-star quarterback. 
Uh, that's the reason why they just got the five-star wide receiver that we talked about. And so, um, you know, the top 10 should be what they're at. But if they're winning to a high level, if they're a playoff contender, then you start to activate all the all the strengths of the Tennessee program that made them a top five recruiter back 20 years ago. And that is, hey, look at this game day. This is better than anybody else has. Look at the stadium. This is better than anybody else has. Um, look at the branding and the tradition and all these things that don't mean that much if you're not winning. But if you are winning, suddenly they can they can boost you up uh, another another notch. And uh, and so if if they're winning to the level that they did last year, it's you know you're behind Alabama as long as Nick Saban's there. You're behind Georgia. And you're sort of in the mix with, you know, the next um, three to eight programs. I, I think that's where they can be. Tennessee just has so much to sell right now. Adam mentioned some of them. The NIL, uh, an aggressive sports collective that's been very competitive against the best programs in the country. Uh, offense, the number one offense in the country. Um, you look at uh, – Fun. I mean, the fun factor. Watching, watching the end of that Alabama game, and and watching t- Tennessee fans not just take down the goalpost, but take the goalpost to the river. Uh, that could be a, a slogan. We'll take the goalpost to the river against that team. Uh, but I, but I also think defensive, top-notch defensive players can look. Man, I, I can help those t- that team right away. They. They're ranked 127th in, in passing yards allowed last season. I, I can help them right away. I just think Tennessee has a lot to offer. And Adam mentioned they stepped up another notch when they when they hit the top 10 last season. And now in preseason, I think they're you know, when you put up there, they're next to George in the East. So they got it all going for them. And I don't think a, a top five class is, uh, is out of the question for Tennessee now. All right, guys, we will leave the conversation there. As always, you can find the uh, preseason coverage leading up to season opener over at knoxnews.com. Adam continues to do great work on the Jeremy Pruitt investigation alongside his cohort, Mike Wilson. And we will be back with you next week on the Volunteer State, where you might get a few more automobiles metaphors from Adam Sparks. Thanks for listening. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.